I pray that the worship time and the time that we spend in God's Word just fuels your praise for God all throughout each and every day. Um, I ask you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And when you get to Luke chapter 1, you can just put your finger on verse 1. We're going to pick up right there in, in just a moment. If you're using that pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 1,176. 1176, if you want to follow along in that pew Bible that we have right there. One night, you know, as you know, Angela and I were, were gone, just a, uh, got a, uh, a nice vacation right before uh, Thanksgiving. And one night on our recent getaway, Angela and I spotted a Friday's restaurant. Now, um, we decided in that moment, when we saw it coming in, we're going, oh, I don't know if what you know about Fridays, but Rasnicks and Fridays, we think potato skins. Somebody else said, yeah, right? There you go. Okay, potato skins. And so one night we had sort of had seafood and had seafood. You know, and every now and then when you're at the beach, you need to eat something that's not seafood. And I know I just said something wrong to some of you all. But on that night, we decided we were going to go to Fridays. And they came in and they said, what do you want? We said, potato skins. And they said, what do you want for dinner? We're eating potato skins. And we split potato skins, and that's all we had, that and something to drink. And we made a meal out of appetizers. And I'm not sure you're supposed to do that, but some of the best fellowship events I've ever gone to are ones where they say, everybody bring your favorite appetizer. You don't want to miss those. But potato skins, that's what we had. While we were there, it made me remember since then when I started to study this, a beach trip from years earlier where we were in an entirely different beach, but we went and they had a Friday's there, and we were at that same, the boys were little, and we were at that same Friday's mindset, different Friday's, different beach. But we walked in, and at the time, this restaurant was having $10 all-you-can-eat appetizers. So if you walked in and said, I'll take potato skins, they'd bring you a plate of them, and when you finished that plate of them, they'd bring you another plate of them. Long as you wanted to go, they'd be willing to go. So we walked in, and we're not bashful. We said, everybody ordered a different appetizer. We got fried cheese, and we got potato skins, and we probably got chicken fingers, knowing one of my sons. And I couldn't remember the fourth one. It was either the egg roll thingies, or it might have been the chips and salsa. I'm not really sure. And then we all got four waters. And we just had an appetizer fest. Every time something went empty, we'd just raise our hand up, they'd bring another one. And we just made a meal out of appetizers. And it was really, really good. You know, an appetizer usually, if you're not named Rasnick, and maybe some of the rest of y'all are appetizer guilty like we are as well. An appetizer is usually a small serving of food. Just a few bites meant to be eaten before the entree, and often shared by several people. You can also call an appetizer an hors d'oeuvre. An appetizer is meant to stimulate your appetite, making you extra hungry for your meal. This is where the word comes from, literally meaning something to whet your appetite or something to appetize. It's meant to get you going. That's why you walk in and they have vegetables and dip, or they have chips and salsa. They're doing that so that they'll get you revved up and you'll eat more and buy more and do more there. 
Its mission, the mission of an appetizer, is to stimulate your, stimulate your appetite and create anticipation for what is to come next. The appetizer is to prepare you for the main course. And then the appetizer is to take a back seat to the main course. If you go to a restaurant and your appetizer is better to you than the main course, you likely won't go back to that restaurant. And if you do, you'll go back only for the appetizer, right? And it's with that strange Sunday morning backdrop that I ask you to, uh, st- wait, don't stand with me. I stated something else here. I wrote on my board, you know, in my office, I've got a four foot by eight foot whiteboard. I wrote on my whiteboard this week, all the typical Christmas scriptures. You know, I started last week saying, we're going to talk about every Sunday in December, we're going to talk about some of the typical Christmas scriptures. And I wrote down this list, what I think is in the chronological order of what they happened. Zachariah and Elizabeth meet Gabriel. Mary meets Gabriel. Joseph meets Gabriel. John is born. Jesus is born. The shepherds are told the good news by the angels, and then the wise men visit from the east. That's about the Christmas outline from beginning to end, and it's our goal to cover all of those in some some way or fashion between now and the end of the year. And uh, so we look forward to these seven things many could see as the main courses for Christmas. God has something for each of us through each one of these scriptures and these events. And so I look forward to spending that time with you together. And let's start now as we stand together, and we're going to read from Luke chapter 1. We're going to start in a very, what some might say, a very un-Christmas-like scripture, verse 1, and then get into Christmas scripture, but we'll talk about that here in just a second. Luke chapter 1, picking up in verse 1. Going through verse 17, it says, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me, this is Luke, also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. There were in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, or king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was one of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, 
and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient, the wisdom of, to the, of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Thank you, church. You may sit down. Keep your scripture open. We're going to be here in other places. If you're a note taker, you're going to have an opportunity to write down because I'm going to cover a number of different scripture references today. <coughs> Verse 1, Luke talks about I'm writing an order in order, a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled. So Luke is saying, I'm starting Theophilus from the beginning, and I want to make sure that everything that you hear, you can be encouraged by, you can know, you can know for certain that you've been instructed is the truth, and everything that I'm going to tell you is part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A paraphrase of that might be, God has done things in his order that you are to know and have a part in. You know, church, the scriptures of Christmas are not just scriptures we should visit annually, even though we spend only Christmas time most of the time. They are the continuation of a story that God has been revealing since the beginning to reveal himself, his love toward man, and to bring about redemption to all those who believe. Luke is choosing to tell an entire orderly story that starts with as we see in verse 5, Zacharias and Elizabeth. Did you know that Zacharias and Elizabeth are the beginning of how God took the next steps in revealing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now, you're going, so they're part of the gospel? Well, I, I read and reviewed this week all of the Gospels. As I've shared with you, I did this outline, and, and I started reading. And you know, if you want to find out the Christmas Scriptures then go to the beginning of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and begin to read. And from a casual reading, you will go, Matthew talks a little bit about Joseph and the wise men. Mark just jumps straight into Jesus' ministry. Luke, Luke gives us what we now know as the Christmas story, and, and we, we tend to stay in Luke quite a bit at Christmas. And then John John doesn't even touch Christmas. He just goes way over. And that's your, that's your casual glance of the Gospels as it relates to the Christmas story. But this week, I decided to do something different. I began to read each Gospel through, keeping notes of the topics. And my goal was to find what topic, what character, what situation did all four of the gospel writers speak about first. Now, I hope that makes sense what I just said. What one thing did each gospel writer speak of first? What's the first thing I can find that every gospel writer talked about? Everybody, make, everybody see what I'm talking about? So I did this study. And then so in Luke chapter 1, we've already seen that John was promised to his parents by God. You know what I found out is that when you go read in Matthew, and we're going to, and Mark, and we're going to, and Luke, we have and will a little bit more, and John, do you know that the first common topic that all four of these Gospels have is John? It's John the Baptist. 
It's the first thing that they all four have in common. In Luke chapter 1, we've already seen that John was promised to his parents by God. They were faithful servants of God, actively being faithful to God, faithful servants serving without a child. We need to understand, Zacharias and Elizabeth had gotten on in age. They had probably gotten used to the fact that they weren't going to have any children, and they had remained faithful. But it's what's interesting is that they had also remained praying for a child. You notice that when the angel came, he said, your prayer has been heard. Well, I just want to remind you, as we studied in Psalm 138, God hears and answers all of our prayers. Sometimes the answer to our prayer is no. Sometimes it's yes. And if it's wait, that's a no for today. That was a good point for us to learn in our Sunday school class today. And, but Zacharias and Elizabeth remained faithful, even though they were probably challenged and disappointed in life. They were about the service to God. They kept praying. And then in God's time, as we spoke about in Galatians 4.4 last week, in the fullness of the time, God sent forth. And God began this plan. And God began this plan in the book of Luke where Theophilus is told by Luke, Luke, if you're going to go back and I'm going to retrace the gospel of Jesus, it begins right here with a man named Zacharias and his faithful wife, Elizabeth, faithfully serving God, faithfully praying. And I was reminded, church, how many of us, when we are disappointed, when we're struggling with our situation or our circumstance, how many of us just decide to sit down and wait. Zacharias and Elizabeth didn't. They said, yes, we want a child. But yes, we trust the Lord. And if he sees fit, we'll have one. If he doesn't, he still is good. Remember those angels? Holy, holy, holy. Zacharias and Elizabeth, I bet you they praised God every single day in that way. And in that moment that fit God's time, their no to a child, turned into a yes. And Scripture tells us that this child's name was going to be John. Verse 13, he says, do not be afraid. Now, hold on to that phrase, do not be afraid. I will speak about that more next week. But do not be afraid. Your prayer is heard. You will have a son, and his name will be John. And let me just give you a summary of what we saw in the Scripture. This son, John, will bring joy, gladness, and rejoicing. This son, John, will be great in the sight of the Lord. This son, John, will be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. And this son, John, in verse 16, will turn many to the Lord their God. And it gets even better. This son, John, will go before him, that's Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah. This son, John, will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. This son, John, will turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And this son, John, will make a people ready for the Lord. This son, John. I mentioned to you that John was the first common topic shared in all of the Gospels. So, I went, and you can go with me. I'm going to be right there. But Matthew, John is brought up in Matthew in chapter 
3. So I'm turning to Matthew chapter 3. If you want to turn with me, I'll give you just a second to go there. When you get to Matthew chapter 3, and if you're a note taker, if you want to write down Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, that's the John mentioned in Matthew. Let me read Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. In those days, John the Baptist was preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And you're going, well, John's not a baby here. You're right. John is now in ministry. For Matthew picks him up right here. And saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance." And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Verse 11, I indeed will baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chafe with unquenchable fire. Do you notice that? That this son John that we met in Luke chapter 1, this son John grew up to preach in the wilderness, calling people to repentance, for the kingdom is at hand. Do you know that when Jesus first started preaching, that's what he preached? Repent and turn to God. Verse 3 in Matthew chapter 3 talks about this son John was prophesied. You notice in that scripture there in verse 3, that's actually a quotation from Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3. Now, if you want to write this down, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3, but also in Malachi 3, 1 and in Malachi 4, 5, John the Baptist is prophesied three times in the Old Testament to come one day in the New Testament, as the forerunner of Christ. <clears throat> now, I'll tell you, based upon what limited study I had time to do today on this, we know that there are literally hundreds of prophecies in Old Testament telling us about the coming Messiah, Jesus. And that Jesus fulfilled many, 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 many of those and will fulfill all of those when he returns. But based on the short study that I've had, and if you find I'm wrong, feel free to coach me up a little bit here. But what I found is set aside prophecies related to Jesus. The most common prophesied person in the New Testament besides Jesus was John the Baptist. He's been part of God's plan from the beginning. And so many times at Christmas we go, okay, there was John and Zacharias and Elizabeth, and that's cool, but let's get to Mary and the baby. Now, we're going to get there. Today's only December the 10th. We've got plenty of time. We don't want to miss out what God has for us. Chapter, verse 3 of Matthew chapter 3 says that this son, John, was the voice 
of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. John is called a messenger. John is called a preparer. John is called a forerunner. You're going, Jeff, are you getting ready to call John an appetizer? (laughs) It's in my head. And I don't mean it sacrilegiously. But even John did say, I am not the Christ. I am not even worthy to unloose his sandals. John said, have you seen those angels in heaven? They've not stopped praising him yet. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And John said, that's not me. Make no mistake. That's not me. But I am telling you that he is here. And he is coming. And we will come. John calls himself. I don't think it's Greek for the word appetizer. But John calls himself one in the book of John that must decrease so that Jesus must increase. This son, John, preached to many, impacted many. This son, John, challenged people in their sin. This son, John, told the people of one coming after him that he will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. This son, John, he said, will be the judge of all. Now, if you want to come along with me, Matthew, Mark. Mark chapter 1. See, Matthew makes you wait till verse chapter 3. Luke chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Now, Mark is known as probably the most active gospel. It just jumps right in, and Mark is just nonstop action. And somebody asks me every now and then, they go, Jeff, what book of the Bible should I start reading? I said, listen, I'll tell you what. I'd start reading in the book of Mark. The book of Mark is a great way to be introduced to the movement, the passion, the love, the miracles, and the purpose of Jesus. But in Mark chapter 1, allow me to read verses 1 through 8 of Mark chapter 1. The beginning of the gospel. Did you notice that? The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. So notice we're already building on what we've talked about. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Verses 2 and 3 are Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, and Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, quoted Old Testament prophecies about John. Verse 4, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him, and all were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts to wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he, 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 will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Did you notice that Mark said, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, John. Verse 2, 
Let me just rattle this off. I got into a bit of a rhythm, and you're going, Jeff, we picked up on that rhythm, and we wish you would stop. I'll stop when I'm done because I'm in this rhythm already. Sorry. But this son, John, was written by the prophets. This son, John, was sent by God, sent by God as Jesus' messenger. This son, John, was to prepare the way before Jesus. This son, John, was to make the path straight for people to get to Jesus. This son, John, preached repentance and brought the confessions of sins. This son, John, preached that Jesus was coming after and that Jesus was the only worthy one. This son, John, will baptize. This son, John, will baptize with water, but the one coming will baptize with the Holy Spirit. This son, John. And go to the book of John. Let's just go ahead and complete this gospel tour. And when you go to the book of John, who we go doesn't really cover the Christmas story. I'm thinking differently now. When you go to John, go to John chapter 1. If you're using that Pew Bible, it's on page 1,220. John chapter 1, allow me to read verses 6 through 9. Now, when I get done reading 6 through 9, don't close your John portion, because I'm going to touch it again here in a minute, because John really makes some great points here. John chapter 1, verses 6 through 9 says this, There was a man sent, church, notice that, sent from God, whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. Did you notice? Messenger, preparer, forerunner, witness. That all through him might believe. Let me read that one again, make sure I don't miss anything. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that's Jesus, that all through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Catch this, church. This son, John, was sent and named by God. This son, John, was sent to be a witness. This son, John, was to bear witness of one thing, and that's Jesus, the light. This son, John, was to help people come to believe. This son, John, was not the light, but was to be a reflector of the light. Verse 9, this son, John, testifies that Jesus not only is the light, but can become the redeeming light for everyone who will believe. Now, if you've got John 1 open, skip down to verse 19. You're going, Jeff, you're reading a lot of scripture this morning. Yeah. Not sorry. Pick up verse 19. Now, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? In verse 23, John gets his big, here's what I say about myself moment. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, making straight 
the way of the Lord, just as Isaiah prophesied. This son, John, was sent for a singular purpose to prepare people for Jesus. Now stick with me. Go to verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Now, I'm going to read on in just a second, but I want to stop right here for just a second. You realize that John even needed a Redeemer. And he said, I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. That's pretty powerful stuff right there, church. Verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and making, I mean, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Wow. Now listen, we know John had a following. He had people following him. But John said, I came, forerunner, messenger, Witness, I came to prepare the way for the Lord. And he said, and there he is. And scripture says that when these people who had been following John came to know Jesus, they followed Jesus. Church, our whole lives should be about helping people begin to follow Jesus. And then go to verse 30. Oh, I'm sorry. Go to chapter 3, verse 30. <clears throat> chapter 3, verse 30. Very short, very impactful. This is from John. He said, he, that would be the light, that would be Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. This Son, John, is such an ingrained and important part of the gospel. So if you haven't lost your place from the beginning, let's go back to Luke 1, and we're going to head toward the finish now. And you're going, okay, good. When you get to Luke chapter 1, start heading toward verse 76. But when we get, what we've missed in Luke chapter 1 is that John, you know, John is born, his dad, because of his lack of faith in believing Gabriel the angel, his dad has been mute since before John was conceived, all the way through John's birth. And scripture says that they came together and they said, the baby's been born, it's a big deal. 
And John, I mean, Zacharias couldn't say anything. So they said, well, we'll name him John. I mean, we'll name him Zacharias. And Elizabeth said, ah, his name's going to be John. They said, it makes no sense. Nobody in your family's named John. Zacharias gets his little chalkboard and he says, his name is John. And in that moment, scripture says that he got his voice back. Transition in Zacharias' life, complete. Because of this son, John. If you want to read more about all the specific details, read Luke 1. It's great. And then after he gets his voice back, he praises God, and then he prays for his son. And I'm going to come halfway into his dialogue right here. But let's pick up in verses 76 to 79. This is Zacharias. First time he's spoken in months. And he says, and you child will be called the prophet of the highest for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. He said, you, son John, are a prophet of God, a witness, a forerunner, a messenger. You, son John, are preparing his, will prepare his way. You will give knowledge of salvation. You will give light to those who sit in dark. You will give guidance to people on the road toward peace. As a baby, John had all the opportunity in the world to be faithful. And we just read basically everything about John that we can sum up and go, this son, John, was faithful. Amen? He was faithful. Jesus talked about John. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, I was going to read one verse to you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus testified that John was faithful, was a messenger, was a guide, was a witness, and that made him the greatest man ever born as a child of man and woman. Bar none. Jesus said, John is it. He's the example. Comma. But he who is the least in the kingdom of heaven will be greater than him. Wow. Jesus just said, there are people who have an opportunity to be greater than John the Baptist. That's what it said, right? And I believe as we read Christmas and as we read God's word week to week and study together, 
we can find that Jesus has also set the expectation for us that each of us can be the least of these. Remember when Jesus was giving that example and he said, when you did that to them, you've done it unto me. Do you know at this Christmas time, you have an opportunity to be a forerunner, a messenger, a witness, a preparer of the way. You have the opportunity to whet someone's appetite. Dare I say, be an appetizer for the gospel. Because Jesus said, John was the greatest ever, but there will be those who will come after that will be greater when they do the things that I've told them to do. What an opportunity, church. I believe each one of us can have that opportunity, but we must first start where these angels already are. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. When we realize who he is, we will gladly set down who we are. And you know, Jesus needed a forerunner. You're going, how do you mean Jesus needed a forerunner? Well, God said so. God sent people ahead of Jesus to point people to Jesus. He's called you. He's called you to be a preparer, to be a witness, to be a messenger. He's called you. You're not the Christ, but you know the one who's coming. And what's amazing is when John went out and started talking about a Redeemer coming, people followed. People responded. And thank the Lord they did because you know what? we could track them all down through Ancestry.com, somehow we've been supernaturally connected to that same, same calling. Church, it's December the 10th. I thought this morning, three weeks, it'll be New Year's. You're going, Jeff, you just went right past Christmas. Yeah, three weeks. We're right past Christmas. And you're going, oh my goodness, I'm so scared. I'm not even ready. Well, let me tell you, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you're ready for Christmas. Now, I want to pray that one of the things that you will do, make an effort in these last three weeks of the year, tell somebody else that Jesus is coming. Help somebody else see that need. Share Jesus. Be a, no, be an appetizer. If I'd have been an appetizer, I'd have got in trouble at home. Be an appetizer for Jesus. Amen? Church, our whole job is to whet the appetite of a hungry world for the main course. And that 
is Jesus. Amen? May we all be the least of these, just like John, this Christmas season.